Welcome to another episode of Iron Sharpens Iron, Talking Faith with your host, Dr. Ellis O. Henderson. Listen as he shares his faith journey with intentional application methods to inspire, motivate, and activate your spiritual life to develop a deeper connection to the one true source, Yahweh. This is a Faith Becomes Sight production on Black Talk Radio. Now, here's your host, Dr. E. Good evening, family and friends, and welcome once again to another episode of Iron Sharp as Iron, where I am your host, Dr. Ellis Henderson, and we are glad to be back. Um, we've had some technical problems on Black Talk Radio Network, so please be with us. Please be patient with us as we get this worked out. But tonight I have on here uh, an awesome man of God, seminarian brother, um, friend of mine, Noah's brother, um, just an outstanding man to share this platform with us. I would like to introduce to some... Well, y'all may know him. I don't know y'all know him or not, but no other than Dr. Lafayette, Lafayette Jefferson. And I also want to say before we continue, um, for the last month, we have been number one on Black Talk Radio Network. Um, so I'm, I'm excited about that. We, we beat everybody by 100 downloads. So continue to support us. Um, continue to support Black Talk Radio Network. Um, and just thank you for supporting um, Iron Sharp Design and what we're trying to do here in the kingdom of God. Good brother. Lafayette, sir, how are you doing? I'm doing well. Yourself, my man. Hey, brother. I, I am. I am well. Got no reason to complain, as you said earlier, man. So, 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 so let let's talk about first of all, um, how we we come to know one another. Okay. Well, and, I think you knew my brother. Well, I knew my brother before you did. <laughs> but uh, but but um, where were we? I can't remember. I. I I th- you know what? It was at Brad Bradley's ordination at our church. There it is. Yep. Yeah. That, that was it. And then we went out, we talked, wrapped the chapter up, and you're Sean's older brother. Yep. Yep. Brad, my OG. Yes, sir. <laughs> I, I just saw him tonight. I just saw him tonight. I just okay. saw him tonight. Um, I told him I was coming home to, um, to do the podcast with you because he came on um, last week. Oh, okay. Yeah, he come on last week. So um, him and I was sharing some ideas of us three, you know, coming on jointly and devising some concrete solutions, theological solutions on how we can not only improve the African-American church, but more importantly, raise it to another level that hasn't been seen before. That would be good. That would be good. You think it can be done? <laughs> I, do th- I, I do think it can be done. I do. And, you know, and, and I say that, bro, just based off of on the shoulders on, of the individuals on which we stand you know, and what they was able to accomplish with less. I think I think it's, it's about like minded people just coming together. Yes, I do. Yes. A hundred percent. OK. OK. Well, I, I can tell you the way that I see that is that. Um, you know, I consider myself a black liberation theologist. I'm saying what is it? I said a hundred percent. Yeah, hundred percent. And I think that that was the first phase that we actually uh, that we actually that we actualized in. And and w- whereas our stuff was written down in a, a hardcore concrete way, and people actually could preach it. And I think the second phase is just starting now, which is. Um, which is the womanist theology. And 
you know, reading through the woman theologists, you know, it's, it's great stuff, but I think that there's going to be a third phase that's going to be up to us to develop. Mm -hmm. And that's going to be the, um, Ubuntu theology. Okay. Of, uh, Bishop Desmond Tutu. Right, right. And, you know, not to say it's his, like, you know, superseding God, but just, just to, to be able to focus on your people and at the same time understanding God and how we all intercede and how we mix um, and understanding Ubuntu. You know, most people will say Ubuntu is I am because we are, but the right. deeper, but the deeper meaning of that is that I cannot be fully human unless I recognize the full humanity of others. And I was, and I was watching the, um, the truth and reconciliation hearings after apartheid um, the other day on TV. And, you know, they were on it because what they were forcing the Afrikaans to do was to actually, in hindsight, recognize the humanity of the people that they had uh, damaged in the past. And so, yeah, I think I, th I think the um, Ubuntu theology is going to be the next phase in our development. But in order to make that happen, we have to actually, uh, the church got to start being able to uh, uh, accept some criticism. Right, right, right. <laughs> especially especially the pastors and, and even more especially the bishops and the people that are the um, the head of it. We have to start looking at who we're bringing in as clergy, um, not as a uh, a way to eliminate, but to a way to find, we got to find the people that we really want. Um, you and I have been to seminary. You know that there's some people there just for a piece of paper, some people there just to uh, get money, <laughs> some okay. people just there to get money, some trying to attract members of the opposite sex or the same sex. But we need to develop something to actually tap into the uh, tap into the people that are about that life. You know, I, I, it's funny because so so my my doctorate program at Nova Southeastern, um, we utilize you know Bishop Desmond Tutu and a lot of our, our education philosophies. And so one of our professors um, was actually trained by um, my bishop. Desmond Tutu, because he was a part of um, the ANC. And so though he was located in Florida, the brother pretty much showed us the platform in which the ANC did what they did, which that model, you know, as great as it is, it comes out of STIC, the Southern Nonviolent non Coordinating Committee. And so I think as, an, as a community, we have gotten away from our organizing principles as a community. And when you have so many churches competing with one another, it's easy to be separated. With that being said, I think the model that was utilized during the civil rights movement and the Black Power movement is a model that needs to be expanded upon. And the reason why I like that model, because it was inclusive, it was diverse, but it still stood on community principles because we know what the enemy is. And so until we can de decide on not only who the enemy is, but who the beast is, 
who Goliath is, who Goliath's cousins are, and his children, you know, operating within our um, spheres of influence, like the churches. So if the church is unwilling to accept criticism, or I would say, like I say, correction from those who was reared in the family of faith, then the church that we thought it used to be would be no more because it's unable to accept and to make correction right, in all right. the areas that you, su- you suggested. Right. And as I see it right now, I, uh, the black church, and yeah, I'm saying black church for y'all that are <laughs> I'm watching, the, the black church is, uh, I would say, totally reactive, totally reactive and not, um, not proactive when it comes to issues within our communities. And what you said before about the um, about the uh, community organizing in the black church, um, my um, my doctoral work was done on community organizing in the black church and black community. Um, at first, I had the belief that the black church had abdicated its responsibility to organize. Um, by the time I finished, I I. I I, I finished and now I have the belief that the black church actually wants to learn how to organize, but uh, they haven't done it in so long that they actually forgot. They don't know what to start. They don't know what to read. They don't know what to do. And um, we got to change that. And and one of the first things we need to change is the uh, interpretation of the Great Commission. Uh, which is, I'm going to go Matthew 28, 18 through 20. Oh, says, Matthew, 20 Matthew 28? Yeah. Okay. Then, Jesus, then Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, go make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. And so people have taken that and uh, figured out ways to get trips to Africa or Central or South America, all over the world to help people somewhere else. Whereas when I read that, it's uh, then Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven on earth has been given to me. And so that's Jesus telling me that he has the authority and he's actually delegating it to me. Therefore, go make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. That's saying to bring people into community and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. That's Jesus saying, train them or as I like to interpret it, organize them. And the last thing he says is, and surely I'm with you always to the end of the age, which to me is saying, yo, I got your back. (laughs) I got your back. And so that whole thing of taking ministry trips all across the world, it's like, no, we have work we need to do right here in our backyard. And that gives us the, uh, the authority to go do it and the mandate to go do it in our backyard. You know, um, when, when I, when I, um, when I was in seminary, we used to always talk about this particular passage, right? 
And there was a huge misunderstanding over, over the English and the Greek or the English and the Hebrew. And if oftentimes when individuals are speaking about scripture, I got to ask a few questions before they begin to speak. One, are they theologically accurate, right? Are they exegeting the text properly? Because we know that Jesus never left Palestine. And so the nations that he was talking about, he wasn't talking about, as you indicated, not going to another nation. He was talking about communities. He was talking about in in your backyard. Mm -hmm. And anybody who understands any kind of indigenous community knows that kind of understanding. But again, we're talking about Western theology versus Eastern theology, right? What I subscribe to is just straight up, just common sense humanity. It's just straight up humanity. So, so when I was, when I went to Africa, so my goal to go to Africa is to make a connection between Africa and back here, especially in Liberia, because we have resources that now can be, you know, transferred over there virtually. And I think as a travesty, um, as an African American church, that number one, we ain't got no banks. Number two, we ain't got no health centers. Number three, we ain't got no schools. Number four, we ain't got no relationships with individuals in other countries that are not based on, you know, um, monetary, you know, hierarchical advancement. And number five, we have yet to build our own people up culturally to understand when we're reading this scripture, we're reading people who look like us. And so oh, yeah. indig- indigenously, it's hard to, to even, I've been studying the Hebrew language. I've been studying the, the numbers. And there's so many references in there culturally to the indigenous people that it's unbelievable. I mean, you, you can hide a whole lot of things. You can't hide anything in numbers. You, you can't. But numer- num- numerically, our presence is so in this text that I can't see how anybody else outside of it looks like other than those who come from the melanin, or part of the diaspora. And that's scientific fact. That's anthropologically accurate. Right. Yeah. And so, so when we're talking about, as I talked about brother over there on Burkina Faso, when I was talking about the black church, he was like, well, what about me? He's like, over here in Burkina Faso, we go by the church. Or in Africa, we go by the church. And so when I'm speaking about the church, I'm speaking about the church of Jesus Christ. More importantly, it's connection around the world because I think as Malcolm X all oftentimes talk about, we can't just look at our struggle. We're dealing with a universal struggle of evil and we have to unite as one in an, under the realm in the body of Christ. Yeah. And so yeah. As, as Nelson Mandela said, you know, they try to get, you know, America trying to get him to disavow, you know, Fidel Castro. He's like, Fidel Castro's my friend like y'all my friend. I ain't gonna turn my back on my friend, you know? Uh, Fidel was there for me when you won't. <laughs> right, 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 right. Let's talk about that. Yeah, and that's and that's that's one of the keys because I mean we have this uh extraordinary talent today in our black church to do this thing we call othering. <clears throat> we don't, we don't, we don't, we don't allow them people in our church. We, 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 no, nah, nah, women can't be in the pulpit. You gotta, you gotta do your thing from the floor. It was like, it was like that child touched. He's a little gay or something. And he can't, we, we don't really deal with that in our church. And it's, that's, and a, it's, that, that's a lie. The, the, those are lies that people say. That's just straight lies. They are. They are because the church is made up of everybody. Everybody. <laughs> everybody. But it's the, been that uh, way. But Huey Newton in one of the um, editions of the Black Panther 
newspaper back when it was out in the 60s. Yeah, because I'm, I'm kind of a um, nerd like that. He was talking about how the Black Panther Party is actually for everybody. That's right. That's right regardless, regardless of whose oppression you or what the oppression looks like, is like if you are oppressed, the Black Panther Party is down for you. And if you want to actually talk smack about our um, homosexual, they, he's back in the 60s, they say homosexual, homosexual brothers and sisters, it was like nine times out of 10, there's a problem with you. Right. <laughs> And not and not them. And so it's like we don't prescribe to that because we actually need we actually need everyone in this fight. And that's one of the reasons I like the Ubuntu theology and the womanist theology, because it's community based. It's it's bringing in the gay, straight, black, white, red, green. Well, green, if you can find some green people and and intergenerational. And it's and it's it's honoring everyone's humanity, and that's 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 what we need to focus on. That's what we need to that's what we need to be. I mean, the time is dead where we hear all those sermons on relationships and. Man, if you think about it, I mean, I mean, to me, we're talking about this is a love issue, right? And so, I, I, I'm a firm believer in the love of Jesus Christ. And and theologically and numerically in the Hebrew, if you go back to the letter nine, which is the tet, right? The letter nine, you can see the image of a man and a woman, but you can also see the image of a serpent. And so this is the dichotomy of good and evil going back in ancient Hebrew scriptures. With that being said, everything has to come out of love. And there's a reason why certain things are supposed to be. Now, I am not a proponent of this culture, of Western culture. I'm not a proponent of, 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 of deviating from the gospel of Jesus Christ. I'm not a proponent of, of speaking hatred towards anybody, but when we're talking about correction, it, it, it has to be scripturally based, right? Because at the end of the day, if we're going to love people, we gotta be, we can't, we can't bend on who we are because Jesus Christ died on, on a cross, right? For all of our sins, but for the sake of love. It's, it's all about love and a sacrifice. And so when we're entering any kind of relationship, I think there has to be sacrifices. This is why we talk about dying to self. And so whatever that means, you know, that's up for the individual to have that. But at the end of the day, are we, are we trying to disavow or get, or get rid of the whole entire scriptures or the Bible? I don't think so. I, I'm a proponent of all the scriptures. I think it's based off of interpretation. But if we're not loving people, you know, um, I, and, and I'll share this. I had a very interesting conversation um, with, um, um, I don't, I'll say a human being that I had never had a conversation about, okay? Um, with that being said, I had said, I said to him, I said, um, I said, hey, you know, there's a call on your life. And I said, God told me to tell you to keep doing what you was doing. He welled up in tears. And he said, thank you. He said, I'm at, I'm at this particular church. He said, but I really appreciate the encouragement. And he was surprised because I spoke to his friend, you know, and I, I, did, I did eulogy for one of his friends. They were surprised that I would embrace him, right? I'm like, yo, the truth of the matter is he's one of the best friends of the guy I'm burned. I don't, I don't, I don't care what he is or whatever else. I got to be obedient to love this brother, right? Now, right. 
um, I, I say brother, you know, but you know, I, I'm only I'm only being honest. I didn't know, but we embraced, we walked off because I wanted him to feel like what the words he was saying. Because I said to him, I said, brother, you could have did a eulogy. I said, you could be doing a eulogy, but he didn't feel confident to do the eulogy. But for me, it wasn't about whatever I thought he was. It was about the fact I had to be obedient to what God told me to do. That's what it's about for me. It's about giving people the space to work out their own salvation. That's what right. it is. That's what I believe in. You got to work out your own salvation. Because I ain't your judge, your executioner. But you have a right to your viewpoint. And simple as that. I'm just trying to... I'm, go, go ahead. No, I was going to say, let's take the... Let's, let's take the uh theological thing a little deeper. Let's do it. Because I'll say recently <clears throat> I've been equated with the um, Janice Jefferson. That's my mom. But, <laughs> but <laughs> I've, I've, I've um, been exposed to the Ethiopian Bible and, and I, I put it on and I, I, I got a copy back here on my shelf. And I put it on my I put it on my I put Lalabella as one of the places that I have to go to very soon um you know in thinking about it i i look at just like you say common sense stuff common sense stuff and and you know to y'all out there in the audience don't get mad at me i'm 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 all right <laughs> I, I, I think they can handle it i think that's why nope. they keep getting these downloads they, they can handle the conversation we have it's iron sharp design don't yeah, take it out on doc i just said don't take it out on dr henderson but I was, I, it, it is like I was talking to someone and I was like, man, let's think about this logically. All right. Jesus was killed. He was killed by the state. Mm. He, was, he was killed by the Romans. Mm. Mm. Yeah. 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 It, it is like, it is like, it is like, and since the day he was killed, who has been in control of his image? Yeah. And then I was like, and if we take that, a, if we take that a, a, a step further, what are there, 60 some books in the canon? Yeah. In the Christian Bible. But you go over to the Ethiopian Bible and there's 82 books in there. And the Ethiopian Bible is actually older than the Christian Bible. But everything that comes, everything that went into the uh, Christian Bible came from the Ethiopian Bible. 100%. And so it's like, why? There's a whole bunch of whys that need to be answered here. <laughs> you know, when I, when I went to Israel, um, two things. Um, all the earlier pictures of Jesus and Joseph, the brothers, they look like you and I. Okay? Look like you and I. However, once the Catholic Church came in, all of a sudden, the earlier church image of Jesus changed. And so I have pictures of actual images of all of the angels when I was walking through the temple and the man said to me, hey, sir, you can't go back there. I said, I said, excuse me? I said, why can't I go back there? He said, that's sacred areas, holiness. I said, but all the pictures of the gods of the nation that look like me are back there. He looked at me and I said, I'm going back there. And so I took off my shoes and I walked back there and I got pictures of all of these individuals to confirm what you just said. Over in the in the, the Coptic churches in Russia, the Orthodox churches, over, over in the Ethiopian church, over in Israel, all everyone looked like you and I. I asked the brother who the chosen people are. 
He said, God chooses everybody. But then he looks at me and he rubs the back of his hand. You see what I'm saying? I have a picture of this man. So there, even in the Hebrew, so the, the, the number seven is Zion. And so it's made up of a Yod and the Baal. The Yod is the same as the number 10, which means the tongue, the hand of God, which they believe is in our mouth. But the value of the Yod is the 10. The value of the Bob, which is the man, is the sixth. The Yod is the crown, which is the woman on top of the man. And so the woman or the feminine value is 10 and the man's value is six. Together makes 16. You add another 10, it makes 26, which is the compute perfection of, of, of Yahweh. And I shared that to say, if this has been the case, why have we been teaching, right, that women are not allowed when in the Hebrew text, as well as in Egyptology, as well as in ancient Ethiopia, there is a strong presence not, of not only culturally, but the presence of women. 2000 season, he talks about how women were the warriors. When I was over in Africa, I was, I was impressed how women did most of the hustling and bustling out there. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, wow, while a lot of the brothers were hanging on the corners. And so I'm looking at this thing completely different now. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And it, and it does that. It's, it's, I tell people when you go to, when you go to seminary, if you're, if you get fully immersed in it, there's going to be a part where you don't even really like believe <laughs> until you start rebuilding and, and, and start that quest for truth. Yeah. Just, just truth, yeah. just truth, but, not the party line. It's not the but, party you know, line, not the tradition that people always talk, but what is the truth? So, so why are we not having these conversations in the, in the, in the black church? It, I think it jeopardizes too many, uh, too many people's positions that they fought so long for, that they fought so long for. But, but, but the church is not your personal business, though. Hey, you, you don't have to debate with me. I'm, I'm with you. You know, so, <laughs> I mean, so, so, so when we're talking about correction and we're talking about truth and we're talking about providing a space, number one, um, I believe, you know, that there's a prophecy that we're going to have another great revival like a Sousa Street. And a part of that revival that's happening is that I believe, you know, God is pulling people out of different areas into the church to push out these religious individuals, the Sadducees and Pharisees, because we have to bring, we have to bring, you know, the old tabernacle back to the community and which we're getting people out in the community fellowship and talking again because they don't want us coming together anymore. They want to keep our mouths covered, right? Because we're in the decade of the mouth, you know, in the Hebrew calendar, the, the 80, decade of the mouth, the decade of the pay, right? So if they keep us covered up and silent from the truth, then all this garbage is going to take over. Because I think we're fighting for the very souls, you know, we're in a demonic fight, put it that way. Mm-hmm. It's good It's good versus, <clears throat> ain't no way, ain't no way to, to, to miss around. We're talking about love versus hate. And yeah. that's it. Yeah. Even in those evangelical churches down south. Yeah. And, and there's a huge division taking place because I believe that the Holy Spirit is pushing out all that nonsense so that individuals who belong in this space can come and feel loved and welcomed. Oh, yeah. And let me tell you, let me tell you my favorite verse since you told me to have my favorite verse on hand. All right. It's funny, too. So, you know. <laughs> 
Because <laughs> I think I think the Bible is a funny book sometimes. <laughs> All the time. Right. Hosea 1, verse 2. <clears throat> the beginning of the word of the Lord by Hosea. And the Lord said to Hosea, go take unto thee a wife of whoredoms and children of whoredoms. For the land is coming. <laughs> 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 so first I'm getting to the funny part. So you're a pastor and someone, and someone came to you and said that. How would you react to that? I'm just wondering. I'll ask them how many are they, are they seeking after? <laughs> how many? How many? <laughs> ask them. Pastor, the Lord spoke to me last night and told me to find a hoe for a wife. Um, does she have a mama? Does she have you know anybody my age? You know, um, so man, so, so let me oh, man, you, come on, man, let me come tell on, you, that's that's the funny part. That's the funny part. It's like, how you gonna react to that if someone is like, if someone is like, what's the uh, you know, Pastor, what I'm supposed to do with this? I just spoke to the Lord. <laughs> that part is a, that part is amazing to me. But the uh, but the serious part that I actually like about it is that when you find people of faith, especially in seminary, everyone thinks they're supposed to be a preacher. Mm, yeah, yeah. Everyone yeah. thinks they're supposed to be a preacher, and they're gonna cast out. They're gonna cast out demons. And um, it's hard for people, uh, for a lot of people to accept that maybe the Lord has something else for you. Maybe he wants you to do something else that no one else has done. And and that's why people, friends, close friends of mine, you got a church now? Nah, I'm organizing. Because my mission is community organizing. And and oh, that's my, what and that's what I've been called to do. Can I preach? You know, I went to SCVU. I can I can hang with the best. But hey, brother, you, you, you you preaching? You preaching? Yeah, yeah. I can hang with the best, but I can also do that same preaching um, down at my city council. I can do it at the uh, general assembly of the state of Virginia. <laughs> and 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 on top of that, it's uh, it's. You know, it's it's not about the money because it's a ministry thing. It's what I was called to do. And God has enabled me to do some great stuff. Can I can I ask you a question? Sure. What 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 is your your position on um uh, on the church and state? You know, ministers who are also involved in politics. Well, won't Jesus involved in politics? <laughs> Come on, with it, Come on, man. Come on now. Come on now. I'm, I'm just asking. Yeah. Because you know, it, it, it's the old adage that there's a separation of church and state, and which there was never a separation of church and state. Right, and and that's the that's the thing. I mean, if you, I look at a lot of things. I was an army officer, uh, infantry officer, and so. Not only did I have to know what I was going to do, but I had to know what I was going to do with my unit in response to the enemy's actions. Right. And so, and so, and reading the Bible numerous times and looking at the stuff that's going on around the world, um, it's very easy 
for us to uh to uh see the demonic and in a lot of ways we know the demonic's playbook mm-hmm. and so mm-hmm. and 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 so what we have to do is understand that and plan against it and 100%. and and if they actually want to um pigeonhole the black church or any other church by saying separation of church and state because those white churches they don't they don't even I don't think they acknowledge that <laughs> I don't think they even acknowledge that that's a rule that only scares black preachers <laughs> we're, we're, we're the only one who follows some, you know something made up philosophy we can't do mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I don't I don't understand and I guess this is why you know when I was doing my dissertation you know in, in 1 Samuel chapter 30, verse 8, um, J, well, I'm sorry, David asked the Lord. He inquired of the Lord, shall he pursue after those people who had attacked him? And he pursued them, and not only he retrieved everything that was stolen, but he also was able to kill as a form of self-defense. And I think that we have to have a, full, a plan of not waiting to be attacked, that we become offensive, and we have a plan of attacking. We know we need health health insurance, better health insurance. We know we need better food. We should have markets, farmers markets. I mean, we know what we're up against. Why not individually as churches begin to have these kind of events in our community? We know what the issues are. So why are we waiting for the government or somebody else to give us something? Let's be offensive. That's why we like watching sports. Because everybody wants to win. We have to be offensive. And I see, and I think we need money in order to be offensive because everybody is exploiting the church. Why can't the church have investments? Why can't we have, you know, individuals who are qualified, responsible, and credible, but we're investing our money to acquire apartment buildings, to build communities, you know? I mean, I, 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 got, a, I got a buddy of mine um, who, who, was, who acquired money out in Lynchburg, 70 acres, and he's building houses through government funding. But he had to go and talk with some politicians in order to do that, right? Right. So, so what's wrong with us doing it, pulling our money together, having a credit union in which we're all putting our money in so we can do these kind of things at better interest rates? I'm, saying, I'm talking about that kind of financial stewardship and plan. Ellis, Ellis over there getting too big. We need to, we need to slow him down some. What do you mean? <laughs> What you mean? <laughs> that is, is I real? Well, let me share something with you. I'm actually getting ready to uh, start a um, nonprofit. The name of the nonprofit is going to be Fearless Ubuntu. It's going to be a training and teaching organization that actually, and you know, we 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 already know all the stuff that's happened that 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 white people did to us and the stuff that they're trying now. But the way I'm looking at it is through the lens of we have to, number one, build up the self-confidence of our people so they can self-advocate, so they can advocate for themselves. And within the scope of that, it's teaching them how to, it's teaching them how to organize, it's teaching them how to interact with, uh, with, um, government officials is teaching them how to be the people that get elected is teaching them how to do the work. It's teaching them how to do the work. 
and with within the scope of doing the work. And I'm and I'm gonna be teaching this online across the com- across the country. And and the whole goal is to get people to understand things the way that I understand them in order to get things happen. Because I can tell you in a community of community organizers, um, I'm just about one of the only ones you can, well, I'm the only one that has a, that has a doctorate in community organizing in the last 20 years. And in addition to that, I'm the only one that has not only beat a uh, casino referendum that was supposed to happen in Petersburg uh, this this November, that's not happening. Uh, Water privatization uh, company tried to buy all of our water sewer assets in the city. Stop that. In addition to having a landfill shut down and the operator's license revoked by Mm. the uh, Department of Environmental Quality, which um, was the first time in over 20 years they snatched someone's license. And so I know how to fight. I know how to fight. One of the things I noticed is the church don't know how to fight. You know, um, church don't, the church don't know how to fight. It, I mean, we know how to march. We know how to cry foul. Oh, bro. But we don't know how to fight. And so my thing is the church needs to know how to fight. And not only the church, but the black community needs to learn how to fight. There are things you got to do. Just marching and then going home, that's not good. That's not going to do it. A Facebook post or, or getting on black Twitter, that's not going to do it. It's like we got a whole bunch of things we can do, a whole bunch of resources, and we can, we can actually start the process now of taking over the environments in which we live. So I, I and thank you for sharing that because it's a segue. Um, so I, I did my master's thesis on at ODB on the League of Revolutionary Black Workers. Um, my, my mentor is Dr. Charles E. Jones, um, who did his book on the Black Panther Party Revisited. And so um, I did a lot of his research, all right? Um, and I say that to say that during the 1960s and during the 19, early 70s, the Black Panther parties and a lot of communist organizations, whatever, they utilized the African-American church. Right. And I think one of the problems is that we seem to think we have to be monolithic in the African-American church. I mean, I am a spirit filled, a policy, an apostolic individual, and I believe in covering. And so what people forget is the reason why Martin Luther King and Fannie Lou Hamer, we had individuals who was praying, interceding on behalf of them. And so I think we have forgotten about the prayer wing of our community, because the truth of the matter is, Lafayette, we need you out there doing that. But we need to be praying for your safety. We need to make sure you're covered and protected the way we was covered and protected growing up. And so I'm not ashamed that that's who we are because we got to stop. We got to stop being afraid to pray. And I mean, intercede the way my grandmother did, you know, our ancestors did. And I believe I that's say, a component that, that, that I think is needed in that community because it's non-judgmental. I would say we just need to stop being afraid. <laughs> just, I mean, all, all that. But, I mean, but to me, prayer is a vital aspect of overcoming fear because it fear is. is a spirit. You know, because God didn't give us a spirit of, I mean, a spirit of fear, right? Right. Like power, and, love, and a sound mind. And I can tell you, one of the things that um that distresses me now, and distressed me when I was doing my research, is that when you look at the mental health of the uh, people that get out here in front that are doing organizing. Um, 
back in the day with SNCC, Southern Christian Leadership, NAACP, all those, all those cats and sisters came from the church. No doubt, all of them. And so, and so, Randolph. right. And so with that, with that group ethos covering them, they had a way to deal with the stresses that they were suffering on a daily basis. Whereas if you look at Ferguson and, and, and the uh, new generation of um, organizers that are out there making things happen, a lot of them are gone through suicide, through um, self-medication. Lafayette, King, Abernathy, they was drinking and partying all night long doing their thing. And people cannot deny that. You can go listen to the you know, FBI, MLK, the Cointel Pro, the FBI files. Oh, and yeah. So, so, I mean, so we, we have a history in our community, you know, of having a good time. <laughs> right, right. What to do, especially because, of, you know, tra- trauma causes you to go and seek out other substances, right? And we know that's strategic. Right. But at the same time, we didn't have people, we didn't have people committing suicide. <laughs> um, <laughs> yes, we did. Yes, we, we did. My, you, you, you're trying to say suicide is a recent phenomenon in our community? No, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not saying it's a recent suicide because it 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 impacts people differently. But it seems to me like it's so much more in the forefront now because they don't have a support network that's uh, looking out for their mental health, whereas in the past the the church and other organizations um, provided much of that, and and I understand, you know, Martin Luther King sitting at his sitting at his kitchen table and what he was going through, and um, and how he had to deal with that. But it's I'm seeing a whole bunch of kids out here that are uh, that are just offing themselves. Brother, I, I I just buried a kid at 18 years old, um, and I understand. Um, I just burned another kid 25. I, I, I get it. And with, with the fentanyl overdose, the whole night, I understand that. I understand that. Um, and I, and I, and I, I don't, I don't, you know, um, this may sound kind of simplistic, but as a father who has failed, as a, you know, as a man who has failed, I think my biggest failure was not understanding um, that love is unconditional. And sometimes love requires you to sit and, and just listen. And I think our children need a place where they can come and talk. And I think the church, you know, I, I am a church dude, uh, not because I'm a pastor, because I've always believed in it. Um, but I think the church is, again, the space where they can come and just talk. It, it's got to be a safe space. So, I mean, why can't the church, well, I'll say this, at the way of the Lord Fellowship, safe space. It's a safe space where individuals can come. Because I've been, I've been talking to these individuals. And so I guess I get kind of frustrated to realize it's 2022. We're still having the same conversation about the church that I was having back in seminary in 1999, 1998, and 1997. We're having the same conversation that James Baldwin had with Dr. Martin Luther King. <laughs> We're having the same conversations they've been having in the Black church for a very, very long time. We're talking about the same stuff that Malcolm X was talking about when he was criticizing King. Yeah, yeah. And so ain't too much change, bro. <laughs> and so and so I, I think I think again, you know, you and I 
you know, like for example, at our church, I'm trying to get a healthy center going. I've been working on, I got, reason why we had adult daycare because we were serving senior citizens. COVID messed that up. And so and I couldn't keep it up financially. So we've been trying to partner with MCV and Capital Area Health Network to provide a health center in our neighborhood from six to 10 o'clock because that's, we, we're in a working class neighborhood. We had, we had a bounce of core bus that came over at 12 o'clock. I'm sorry, from 11 to one on a Thursday. I'm like, my people are working, but I need to have a services here in the evening and on Saturdays. And so that's what I've been trying to work on. Again, the farmer's market, because we need access to healthy food. So a farmer's market does that because if we're not, so, so I'm, we're on the West End, there's no supermarket. There, there's no fast food restaurant, thank God. And so and there's also a technological desert. So churches are places where you can get Wi-Fi, where you should be able to have schools. You should come out and get, and not just by giving you food, but we're having fresh food, you know, in our gardens. Because every church has a call. Your call is, is a ring that you're in. I'm trying to do what I'm trying to do. Um, Brother Brad is trying to look out for veterans um, and provide them a safe space. You know what I'm saying? So it's like, why can't we all come together? See, we don't have to duplicate. We don't have to duplicate one another's lanes. So in Joel chapter three, verse 10, it says they stick to their own lane. We're working together. We're fighting against the same enemy, but right. everyone has a lane. So, I mean, so why, why can't we work this thing out together? Right. And one thing I'll tell you that um, I was trying to do out here in Petersburg, but I'm, 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 I'm going to take it on a higher level now. The um, to actually concentrate on hydroponics. Oh. And with come on, man, with, come on, man. And with hydroponics, <clears throat> number one, you'll be raising healthy food and vegetables for your community, and to get them in all churches. But even more so than that, have kids do it. To have kids do it because that's a whole another layer of science, technology, engineering, and math that they'll yeah. get outside of school that'll make them better. And when you have kids, and I've seen it, when you have kids that don't like vegetables, when they understand uh, that they're actually feeding their families, they start liking, they'll start eating the vegetables. And, and they'll start, they'll start taking a personal responsibility. And so, and, and, and I'll say, in addition to that, <clears throat> you can't force plants to grow faster than they're going to grow. And so kids actually learn patience, which is something yes, they don't yes. really have. And yes. that patience will lead to what we call um, emotional intelligence. That's right. And that emotional intelligence, we won't be able to measure it, but nine times out of 10, it'll probably keep some kids somewhere from getting shot in the street when they get a little older. Well, I mean, well the truth of the matter is, I mean, you can measure emotional intelligence. And so, you know, you're looking at, we're teaching farming principles, but we're also teaching spiritual intelligence as well. Because when you're starting to have to be patient, when you're starting to plan things, sticking your hands in that dirt, getting out there in that sun, that, and that's also teaching them about relationships because you got to learn to talk to people and ask what's going on. Cause you don't know, you know, where this tick came from. Oh man, I, I love agriculture. You know, so in our adult daycare program, we had hydroponics because I believe in um, um, marijuana and using, utilizing marijuana, not, not medicinally, but also that's why I was going to Africa. I was trying to convince this country they should be growing marijuana because the surrounding African country was growing marijuana. And I'm like, you can improve your economy by almost like $400 million in a year. 
and I showed them the numbers. And that's why I went to Africa. I slipped and fell, broke my line, my broke my left ankle. So I'm I'm a firm and believe in all of that. So when I was talking to churches over here, oh, the church shouldn't be doing that. The, the hell, they shouldn't be. It's a seed, and it has medicinal values. And so, anyway, I, I, that, that's my soapbox. Um, I'm with you. Because, I'm with you. <laughs> man, I mean, it just it, it irritates me because we're so closed-minded when it comes to things that God has given us to be healthy off of. I mean, we keep talking about organic or organic, organic. We can grow stuff in our own yard. That's organic. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And people always, when I'm talking about hydroponics, people are like, oh, they're going to be growing weed in the basement. And I was no. like, if they do, let's get them their license. Let's <laughs> but, get them their license yes. so they yes. can start a business. Yes, yes, yes. And not only start a business, but more importantly, start understanding the medicinal values of the flower, especially in terms of mental health, especially in terms of spiritual health, especially in terms of anxiety and depression and things of that nature. I mean, you're talking about wonderful data that's been produced about the benefit of this flower. Why are they giving it to individuals at the VA? Why is my buddy coming from Roanoke, Virginia, all the way down to Richmond at the VA to get access to marijuana? Because he's, you know, he's a veteran. When he was in Walter Reed, he said he got back from um, from Iraq. That's the first thing they gave him. But no one knows about that. So why is it okay for our soldiers, but not okay for our citizens? I don't know. That's a whole another thing. That's a whole. That's a big can right there. That's a big can because as a soldier, you know, you automatically a hero. That, but that'd be the case. But the fact of the matter is. They were allowed to have cannabis. Yeah, yeah. They are allowed to have cannabis, and soldiers and gonna find it either way. Either way, and just like all Americans, we're gonna do what we want to do anyway. Whether you're doing cocaine, or you're doing fentanyl, whether you're eating white sugar all day long, or you're drinking on on, on Coca Colas, you know. I mean, come on now. And we're gonna really talk about the health of the church. We got to talk about the food we put in that body. We got to talk about why we're not eating live food. We got to talk about why we're not having gardens. I mean, at this point, I have a buddy of mine who says something. He said, if I if I meet a Christian and they don't smoke marijuana, they don't eat live vegetables, they don't exercise, he said, I don't think they're of they're Christ. And I was blown away by his positioning. He said, because God has created us to be healthy because we're supposed to be producing, reproducing love on this earth. And you can't do that if you're slothful. If you're putting things in your body that you know are going to kill you, which you know the beast wants you to eat, right? Sound like some some sound like church needs a good health ministry. <laughs> with actually with actually someone and, and no, I'm serious. I mean, it's uh, 100%. when I was in when I was in Miami, I got my uh, master's at Miami at a little school at a little school called Nova Southeastern. <laughs> the, uh, that, that school ain't little. <laughs> that school that's is that, awesome. That's, that's, that's that great Jewish school. You yeah. hear me? And so, while I was down there, I belonged to a church that's now called Christ Journey, but it was um, but it was a Southern Baptist church before, and uh, their assistant pastor was a uh, retired Navy SEAL. Mm. And after service, you know, they only had one service a day, <laughs> one service a Sunday. If you wanted to find him after service, 
he'd be somewhere surfing. <laughs> he'd be somewhere surfing. And and with the rest of the church, they had a uh they had a uh a riding club with with bicycles, like the kind the marathoners ride. They had one of those, they had a running club, they had a basket they had basketball teams for the kids. I mean, they were totally involved in every aspect of health, spiritual, emotional. And even when COVID came out, um, they came out with guidelines and I gave it to some people up here because they were like, because in Miami, they experienced a lot of hurricanes. And when hurricanes hit, everyone has to stay in the house. Mm-hmm. And so for COVID, uh, they were like, when people are confined to the, to their homes, we see higher incidences of uh, of spousal abuse, yep. child, child abuse, sexual molestation, and right. And so, at um, six o'clock every morning, there'd be a live Zoom with or Facebook Live with the pastor taking a walk, getting everybody started for their day. And then there was someone at at noon, and then there was someone to help people, even though they were at home. Um, transition from work life to home life. And that's looking out for people's mental abilities. And also, if you had something going on, they even had a midnight ministry on Facebook Live because, you know, if someone is stressed out, they're probably going to be up in the middle of the night. Right, right, right. That's a good point. They're probably going to be up. That's a good point. And this, and it was like, you know, they had every member of the ministry team had anywhere from five to seven families assigned to them, and they would check on them on a regular basis, once or twice a week, just to see how things are going and if there's anything they could help with. And it was like, and I was like, that is smart. That is smart. I kicked it out to some, uh, I wrote it up as a one pager kicked it out to some pastors I know that uh, graduated from STVU and they were like, you ain't even a pastor. You don't even know what we're going through. All right, dog. <laughs> All right, dog. I, I'm trying to figure out why, 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 why I didn't get that. Well, that's probably me. Why I mean. <laughs> <laughs> I but I, I gave it to a bishop in Maryland and a couple <laughs> bishops down here in Richmond and they were like, this is absolutely awesome. This is great. And so I was like, oh, okay. Okay. Phenomenal. So it is, so it is decent. But but it's also just you know, and, you know as I as I listen to you and, and I and I, I hear what you're saying that you're called to, but what you're called to is just as great as what those who are called inside the four walls are called to, if not greater. Because oh, you're talking that. about being because you're in the marketplace. I mean that that's where Jesus was in the marketplace, right? And so we have, we need lights in the marketplace. We need lights down in city council. Um, we need we need people in we need we need presence everywhere. We need lights in everywhere there's darkness. That's what I believe, and I oh, think yeah. love got to be that light. You, you got to love the hell out of people, and and to me that hell is is the lie they believed about themselves that has nothing to do with their existence with their creation. Man, let me tell you. Is I'm I'm almost to the point where I can't even get mad at people no more. No, 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 no. You can't. You can't. <laughs> it is so hard to get mad at people. And and I I'll, I'll use an example. 
we have a state senator named Joe Morrissey that attacked oh, on, me back, that assaulted me back in uh back in January at the state house. He assaulted and, you. Yeah, it it was verbal and he tried to get up in my face. But you know, it was like <laughs> it, it, it was funny because you you know I'm an infantry guy. I'm an infantry saying. guy. It's, it's like I don't really I don't really play tough because I know that I've been like blessed. Yeah. <laughs> I, I know I've been blessed. I spent a good portion of my life doing hand to hand combat, hand to knife, hand to bayonet. <clears throat> and it's like out of all the things I worry about, someone beating me up ain't one of them. Right. right. And so Especially the state house. <laughs> right. And so with all the stuff that uh he said and did, it um it's it's like I can't be mad at him because it's like I know there's a pathology at work. Yeah. Yeah. I I, I know there's there's things that he hates about himself that he's overcompensating for um as a man and as a human. And so and and you know, while it's with a sixty some year old guy go sleep with an underage girl. Mm. And and, mm. and it's and it's like mm. there's something there's something mm. there's something going on that, that that pathology needs to be diagnosed. And you know I, I, I think the same thing with uh I think the same thing with Trump, but I'm not but I'm not I don't know too much about Trump, you know, in Richmond pretty much everyone knows Joe Morrissey. Yeah, I, I know Joe. Um, um, yeah, I, and I, I'm surprised that he would would do that because, I mean, he he's not a tough guy. No, I mean, honestly, honestly, Ellis, it. it <laughs> all right, I got to throw out another disclaimer. <laughs> All right. Um, the meeting was at the state house, and he—I mean, not the state house, but the general assembly—and um, he got in my face. And 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 the bottom line is that he thought it was—he uh, thought it was sending nigga to jail night. Mm. Mm. I was supposed—he was supposed to say something to me, and I was supposed to lose my cool, and I was supposed to beat him down. And I was supposed to go to jail afterwards because wow. he's a, because he's a state senator, and it's and it's and it didn't happen like that. But you know, and it's you know it was a good try. It was a good try. I mean, cause, you know, you know, rip my heart out. My heart ain't moving fifty four years. <laughs> it's been right. It's been right here. It's, it's been right here. And you know I don't go around carrying myself like a tough guy, <laughs> but but it's like you also know I don't go around acting like I'm afraid of anything. You know, it, um, one thing my grandmother taught me. She said, "Typically, those people who act tough ain't tough, right?" And she said, "The one you need to watch out for is the one that doesn't act tough and who doesn't seem who is slow to anger." She said, because that's the one who can kill you at the drop of a dime. 
right? And so I think in our community, we have been, I'm sorry, they have used fear to keep us complacent or to keep us in our place. And so when they find someone, especially a, a black man, African-American man, who's not beating to the drum of everybody else, I think everyone feels threatened by that. Because I was tackling the barbershop, Virginia Barber School by you know, the, the, the NAACP president of Henrico, because I told him that Joe Morrissey was no better than a sex offender. I said, he's he no better than, you know, than, um, what's the black dude that sang all the songs? Um, R. Kelly. R. Kelly. This guy jumped up out of his chair in my face, and I'm just looking at him laughing. And you're a big dude. <laughs> Brother. You're a big dude. I don't know Brother. too many people that jump up in your face. <laughs> I, I got witnesses. Dalton King, you know, was a witness, you know, laughing at him, one, because I realized he was up in his 70s, but I was trying to prove to him that he was a kept, you know, brother was kept. I said, for you to attack me here before stating the truth, he slept with an underage girl. I said, so why would you attack me for stating the truth as if I'm attacking you? Well, I know him personally. I said, and? But so again, until we as we come on the offensive and start putting that stuff out there, because they've been preying on our young girls for how many centuries now? Oh, bruh, bruh. One of the things I was telling people, I had to explain to people, is that if you uh if you actually look at Joe Morris and Thomas Jefferson, powerful come white on, man. man, powerful white wow. man, all wow. the seats in the state of Virginia had direct supervisory control over a young black female, got the young black female pregnant. And it was like, you don't really know who I'm talking about because those are, those are, those are, those are facts for both of them. (laughs) Oh Lord. (laughs) Yo, no, no, no. Did you say that for him? I actually said that in court. Yeah. Right. He turned pink. Response in court. <laughs> I saw one ass. I saw one. You know, he, he couldn't do anything. He just turned pink. I love it. So, so, so what was the response from those in the court once you said that? No, it, it wasn't too many people in the court because it was during um, uh, COVID mandate was still happening. Um, nine people. You say he turned pink. Ain't that yeah. Yeah, I was paying attention to him. I wasn't paying attention to anyone else. There okay, wasn't really okay. anyone else there. But um, wow, wow. Yeah, he didn't like it. <laughs> of course, he would not have liked that. But but what a great comparison, and, and almost darn near accurate. If not, other than you know the fact. What do you mean you almost? Know, what 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 the what fact? What you mean almost? Wasn't the twenty first century and one was in the <laughs> other net? Yeah, the twins. The only. <laughs> The only difference is that Thomas Jefferson and his uh the young lady that he uh Sally. violated, we'll say, was the age different was like thirty some years. Our great senator passed that. Our great senator passed that. <laughs> What's the age difference with him and his his wife? What's the age difference? <clears throat> Because I wanted to, I, see, I had to see, to me as a father, I would not have tolerated that as a father. 
Can you imagine this man coming to holler at your daughter? Come on now. He would he would have made it at the holler point because she would have shut him down. Right. Right. But you know, that's that's the pathology of a uh all right, so he's sixty-five right now. And she was born in ninety-six. Yeah, I mean that's that's part of the pathology of a uh, pathology of a predator, and so. Mm. Well, that's one of the path. I mean, it's it's because now he's okay. probably he's probably gonna try to sue me or something. But <laughs> my, my 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 daughter is thirty one and I'm fifty four, right? Yeah. So um, sixty five and thirty six. Yes, wow. she is twenty six now, and he's sixty five. She is. She's twenty six. I think she was thirty six. You said she's twenty six now. Yeah, Dang. so that's so that's the thirty nine year difference. God damn. No, I mean, but you know, people that do stuff like that know right. who they can right. do that to. Right. Right. Wow. Someone wouldn't try that with your daughter. No. I know for damn sure would nobody try that with my daughter. Mm -mm. And not to uh no not not to throw shade on her father or anything like that. No. But it's but it's but it's that's that's a no go. That's no go in a big way. So so let me ask how how can in the future should the church respond to those situations? I mean, I think that's pretty much common sense. I think no, I think what they, that. I think what they shouldn't do is uh, what they shouldn't do is co-sign that behavior because of the possible benefits or or. Um, well, yeah, the possible benefits they get from people in elected offices or, you know, extremely wealthy, whether it's an individual or a company. Right. It's, right. Uh, I think a lot of people have to decide if they're, uh, like you said, like you alluded to earlier, it's like, are you following God or the state of Virginia? You following God or the United States? You following God or your own ego? It's like, who are you really serving? No doubt, no doubt. And so, no doubt. and so, preachers have a way of uh, using all these flowery, big words to say absolutely nothing when they're when they're um, when they're doing stuff when they're doing stuff wrong. But um, just like <laughs> just just like just like God say, you know, if you think something something's from me, test the spirit. Right. And it's, and it's like we actually have to start testing the spirit of the people that uh that are in um in the pulpit acting like prophets that aren't profiting me nothing. Well, you you and I both know that um seminary 
the percentage of individuals going to seminary is like less than 5%. And that was less than 5% when I was in seminary. I think it's lower now, maybe less than probably, you know, maybe around 3%. Um, but, but at the same time, I'm just now becoming aware of a lot of, uh, how can I say, um, just, just the chaos in the church, right? Um, because we have always operated small, a lot of things I thought we could have handled or, you know, as a family. But, you know, now that I've been in the wheelchair, I got a different perspective on everything. Um, and learning how to walk, my, my whole theology has changed in terms of what love really is and what love is, isn't. And one thing I realized, we don't even talk about love in the churches. We don't talk about love, you know, it's very rarely spoken about on social media and just regular conversations. I mean, we do not have conversation about love in itself of why we need love, forgiveness, the whole nine. So how can we talk about entertainment when we don't we're not talking about love and joy and peace and and how to how to meditate and how to how, how about doing yoga? How about that? You know, those kind of things. That's not new age. I mean, we're talking about things that go back, predate our existence. Anyway, um, again, I'm sorry. I'm with you, bro. I'm with you, bro. I'm with you. I'm with you. 100. 100. I'm all the way with you. So when you say common sense, the reason why I disagree, because I had a conversation with someone, and she, she, and she is a yoga Pilates teacher. She said her pastor told her that, and I would not mention his name, prominent pastor in RVA, that yoga and Pilates was not of God. I said, excuse me? I heard that. I've heard that before. I said, well, first of all, what does yoga and Pilates have to do? I mean, talk about God. I mean, what are you talking about? And so when I was talking to her, she thought I was being condescending because she thought all pastors believed that. all pastors, all ministers because she thought it was strange that I was inviting her to our church to do her Pilates versus being in the park. Well, I, th- I thought churches say, you know, you can't do Pilates and yoga in church. I said, what? I said, baby, what church? What pastor? So, again, she was, she was, she was, un- she was shocked that I was welcoming open to that. And I was shocked that she was shocked. <laughs> you know? <laughs> I'm like, I'm offering you free space and you're saying that, you know, you don't know because one pastor told her no, she's not going to trust another pastor? I mean, I don't that's, get it. That's 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 how it is with church hurt. I mean, as in, a lot of people out here are going to be judged harshly when they die. <laughs> <laughs> this, is, this is the season. Yeah, because it's people people are telling stuff i mean i get calls all the time and it's that, that ain't true that ain't, <laughs> that ain't true <laughs> spare the rod spoil the child is is sister that ain't nowhere in the bible that ain't no nowhere no no nowhere that ain't nowhere <laughs> you can write your own bible and put it in there but it ain't no, even, it ain't it ain't nowhere not even the king james not even the King James Bible can you find that one. Mm-hmm. And then the misinterpretation of sex. The Bible says that man in same sex and so and so is like, you know what? 
the Bible also said, love your neighbors, you love yourself. And above all things, there is love. And so if you want to find, if you want to find a rationale to hate someone, it's, it's like, that's why you got to put in the hard work. <laughs> you got to put in the hard work to actually hate people. You got to think about how they're different from me and you got to work on and you got to, and you got to elevate your self image and your ego and you got to, and you got to demean and cut down other people's image. And I was like hating a whole lot of energy. <laughs> and it was like, it is like love your neighbor as you love yourself. It was like the golden rule, you know, do as to others as others do on the end. And it's, and it's like, what about if we just go with do unto others as they choose to be dealt with? Just, you know, if you want to be, you can be gay. That ain't going to change me. My, my, my. <laughs> My my view on that, and and, I, and I'll, I'll be first to say that I have evolved. I have evolved on this um, as I've gotten more understanding, and and I say that because when I was in this wheelchair, you know what I mean, um, and then I, I started to go back in the community. I, I've, I've been shut up almost eight nine months. One thing I realized is that we have a human right to be who we desire to be, whether I agree with it or not. At the same time, just as because I am a heterosexual African-American man, I've been, I've been in restaurants having dinner with a friend and people come over and we're talking, right? And then I'm told if I don't have any homosexual friends in my life, then I must hate gay people. And I said, interesting. Because they're taking a, well, not they, she took a position based off who she thought I was. Not 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 having any kind of inclination that if I'm talking to your friend, by the way, who is lesbian and gay, then and she's the one who invited me here, right? But then you come over, but so we couldn't even get to all of that because she had her own issue with me. Now right. Now, let me, let me, so, let me, so, so, so was that hate speech or, or what is that? I mean, what let, do you let call me, that? Let, let me break that down real quick. So what assumption, you say this lady didn't know you? She didn't know me. So think about all the assumptions she had to make about you to come to that conclusion and act the way she did, as opposed to just saying, hey, what's up? How you doing? See, <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, this, this, this big, this big black man <clears throat> that, and she probably found out from a friend that he's, he's a pastor, he's in a preacher. Uh-huh. And then uh-huh. she probably had to dig back into her personal history uh-huh. Uh-huh. to, to her relationships with other pastors and preachers and, and used all of that to bring it up and synthesize it into and opinion about you. That, and see, that's what I'm talking about. That's a whole lot of energy. That, 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 that's a lot of work. That's a lot of work. That's a lot of work. That is a you, lot of work. So one, one of my favorite shows is P-Valley. Okay. Um, a lot of people um, don't like P-Valley. I don't even know um, why a man would watch that. <laughs> right, right, right. You know, um, the truth of the matter is Uncle Clifford be, be, be spit the scriptures. He spit scriptures. 
And the gentleman that I met in that community, he 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 looked like Uncle Clifford. He dressed like Uncle Clifford. But because I had watched P Valley and understood this 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 individual, I knew how to I knew how to um, interact this person who reminded me of Uncle Clifford. Now, for me, who was once homophobic, other things have happened in my life. My buddy, he said, man, how did you get that out of that? I said, man, this show has shown me that everyone has a right to be who they put their authentic self. And so me interacting with this individual who looked exactly like Uncle Clifford, I mean, spitting the image, to me, I'm acknowledging what I told God I would do. God, I'm going to love on anybody you tell me to love on because everyone deserves love. Just the bottom line. There's too much hate going on not to extend love to somebody, whether I agree with you. I don't have to agree with you. The fact is, I have to love you. I have to love you. And I have to love you. Now, I ain't good with the pronouns. I'm not there yet. I'm working on it. Working on it. Okay? Um, my children have taken a different position, you know, because they feel like I'm so strict or whatever else. It's not that. I just... But, I am who I am, man. I ain't, I ain't, I ain't got. I'm gonna love you, but I'm gonna mess up your name. Whether you know it's his, her. I call my children by the different names. You know what I'm saying? So I'm just saying. <laughs> I got five kids. You know, I keep it. Him. I keep it simple. I just got one. <laughs> <laughs> See, you should have put the memo out. You should have put the memo out. My bad. <laughs> because I mean, I was told the more kids you have, you know. You know, the, you know, the businesses, the tax write-off, that was all a lie. It was a straight lie. Mm-hmm. I said people don't have children at all. You get more don't gifts during Christmas time and your birthday. Uh-huh. It's a lie. I said don't have any kids. Don't have any kids. You can make a difference in the world without producing. No kids. And don't get married. And don't get married. Okay. All right, <laughs> That, that sound like that. That sound like some trauma speaking, but you know we ain't gonna really go there. <laughs> that sound like some trauma, bro. Well, well, no, but it's because I think I have a lot of friends of mine who no longer want to be married, right? Because they've either been married. I have a buddy of mine who is fifty three years old. He has two two kids. He's never been married before, and he is the most happiest, healthiest person in the world. And he, he and I had a recent conversation. And he said he never wanted to get married. I said, what's wrong with that? He said, because people like you who've been married, who want to get married, think everybody got to be married. I said, I'm not that person. Be who you are, bro. Well, I tell you, I'm probably going to get married next year. Congratulations. But the difference is that we've known each other for over 20 years and we've been best friends for like 17 years. Oh, that's, oh, God that. And so oh, it's... Yeah. <laughs> and, and so it's a and so it's a natural it's it's a natural progression because you know frankly at this point at this age fifty four I ain't trying to learn nobody <laughs> I, I, I ain't trying to learn nobody and it's not yeah. saying that I'm that I'm settling because it's like yo she's she's awesome yeah. that's why we've been best friends forever and we we know she remind me of stuff that I forgot about me <laughs> so. Hey, it's, hey, it's I so, mean, congratulations. So ah, thanks, bro. Congratulations, man. Can, I mean, to, this is just my opinion. I know people don't agree. My buddy doesn't agree with this. I think the institution of marriage 
is the most wonderful relationship in the history of humanity. When, when, when these two individuals, can I share this? My first glimpse of love was when I was in Kenneth Dennis Church, Greater Mount Moriah Church. He sent me to give communion to two gay couples in a, um, um, well, well, it was actually, it was, it was a gay, two gay men and, and a gay woman, but the, the women didn't want it. But so I gave communion to the man and the guy's name was Tony. Tony got on the table and he held on. I think the guy's name was Eric. But, and when I tell you the Holy Spirit came into that room, brother, he was holding on. So as I gave communion, almost like as soon as I gave communion, the man died. But he held on and cried. Cried, brother. Um, no one would give him communion. No one would give him communion because he was gay. He was dying of AIDS. Um, Kenneth Dennis heard about it. Kenneth Dennis sent me over there. And to this very day, I have yet to see that kind of love anywhere else. Yeah, and the thing that kills me is, and it killed me when I found out that a lot of um, people from the LGBT community would actually go to funerals to hear someone preach God's word. Wow. And and that's... that's Wow. It's, it's like, who are you, little preacher dude? To actually, to actually, to to actually, or or, or big preacher dudes, to actually um, exclude someone from God's word, and and for people that are so hungry for it, will go to the funeral of someone that they don't know. It's like that's crazy. This is the first. Can can I say something to you? And I hope you don't mind this. I hope that you will. So um, every person that has been on this podcast, the reason why it's called Iron Sharpens Iron, because I know I knew that I needed sharpening. And so when God gave me the individuals to come on this podcast, I, I know who they are, but I know God is trying to sharpen me in this area. And each time that I feel sharpened, I stop and I say that. So what you just shared with me about the LGB, you know, forgive me, um, that community, that sharpened me because I didn't know. I did not know that. So thank you for sharing that because, man, darn, bro. Um, God dang, man. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Wow. Thank you. That now. You're welcome. Yeah. Um, that, that left me speechless. That's so guess on, what? That's been going on for a long time, man. That's yeah, I, brother. I, I, again, I, I, I have not been in the marketplace in a while. Um, I had kids. I was trying to get in due time. The church <laughs> and kids out the house, you know, and then everything else went to, went to crap. But um, what, what what I desire to do is to be a, a safe space for those people in that community, in our church, at the Way of the Lord Fellowship at seventeen hundred Blair Street, because what you just shared with me should not be. Should not be, regardless of race, ethnicity, sexual out. They, they they all deserve love. They all deserve love. Right. Give me because not only that I wasn't knowing. Fact is, I'm Lafayette. I didn't know how to manage this. I, I didn't know. I didn't know how to to do all that I'm doing now because I I 
had to get, I had to go through what I went through to open up to who I am right now. If that makes sense. Um, but yeah, man, that shouldn't be. That shouldn't be. Wow. So I'm, I'm open, man. Let's do this. Let's do this. Let's, let's, let, let, let's, what, how can I, how can I make sure that our church is available to this community? Do you know uh, Lissette Cross? I do not. Okay. She, uh, Marie Garrier. It's my lady. <clears throat> Uh, Lissette is uh, your, your, your mama and your lady has called. Yeah, those are the two people that called me. <laughs> <laughs> those are the only two people that called me. Oh, goodness. Oh, goodness. So, uh, Lissette is the pastor of a church in Richmond, uh, Diversity Richmond. I'll send you her, um, I'll send you wow. her information, but she's wow. but she's actually a pastor for a um, open and inclusive church. Is that the Unitarian Church? I think I think Alba told me about her. Alba yeah. Kershaw. Yeah, mother homie. The uh, yeah, and so and so I've hung out with Lissette people all the time, and this. A lot, and she is hilarious. Restoration Fellowship RVA. Restoration so, Fellowship RVA. So, do I mean? Are they? Do they do outreach? I'm sure they do. Well, she she's the one that started the uh, Pride Richmond. So, <laughs> so that's, oh, I, I, I didn't I didn't know that. Yeah, she, she is. She's out there. And so I asked because there is, um, it's called Starfish Recovery. Yeah. I had a meeting with the, with the brother today. You know, they're looking, you know, well, they're looking to partner with, you know, with the community. So I'm like, they're looking at actually utilizing our space, right? So what he was sharing with me, there are kids out there, young adults who are not only the whole, they're selling themselves for sex, so on and so forth. But what I was saying to him is that what I would like to do is help them transition and they're going to these homes, these, these homes that he has. I said, you're talking about the emotions. Who's addressing their spiritual? I mean, you, I mean, you're addressing all the trauma, but, but, they, but so what, what kind of spiritual fellowship of food are you giving them? He says, well, we haven't got to that point yet. I said, so why, when we talk about trauma, we're not dealing with the spirit of trauma and how it impacts us and, and, and like, how can you have a, a true therapeutic house when you're leaving out the elements of our being? I mean, we, we have to understand that our spirit needs nourishment because if we can get nourishment in our spirit, I believe we can overcome some of the ills or ills. Um, and I, you know, just in society alone, man. Man, let me let me let me touch on this also. Uh, the church has a credibility problem. 100%. The, the church 100%. needs to build up its street cred because okay. I mean there there are far too many um, bad actors in pulpits, and, and 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 people that are just um, not up to the task. Well, you know, the, I, I, I don't know how to say this. I, I, 
I don't know if this is appropriate or not appropriate. Um, appropriate. You good? But but in our fellowship, we have individuals who are involved in same-sex relationships. We have individuals um, who have been involved in those relationships. And one of the things that that was told to me, you know, after the eulogy and before they started coming to our church, that you are the realest MF and pastor I've ever come across. And she gave me the names of three other pastors, the churches she was in. And I was shocked by what she was telling me to concur with what you said. I, I couldn't believe, I, I just couldn't believe what she had to deal with from, from pastors and pastors' wives. Um, at her mama's church, at her, I mean, it, it, I, I, was, I was shocked again. Um, you're right. Um, I, didn't, I didn't know. I didn't know. I didn't know it was like this. I didn't. Because that's not who I am. And I don't hang around other pastors like talking about it. I really don't. <laughs> I don't hang around pastors. You and me both. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I hang around ministers. But, you know, um, I, well, I won't say I don't hang around pastors. I do, but they're just not in the church. And they're like you, they're out doing their thing. You know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I, I I don't, I don't have any interest of sitting around talking about the notches in my belt, um, how many cars I got, you know, the size of my church dock. Um, no, nah, we, we got kids on the street dying, yo. I'm oh, don't forget what that. you, don't forget what you're building. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what you're building for. You know, the, the young girl came to our church. She said, Pastor, we need to do a paint job. And she said, you need to do a building fund. I said, no, 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 baby. I said, no, 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 no. This paint is okay. I said, we need to get this health center going, the school, and this farmer's market done first. Then we'll replace the carpet. Then we'll do the painting. And she was like, okay, I like that too. No. No, 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 no. No, no, no. It's just a building. We got too many lives we're trying to build out here. No, no, no. But but again, that comes out of that that Baptist, Richmond, Baptist church, you know, tradition that people can't seem to let go of. I agree. So, this, I mean, so, you know, my family is Church of God in Christ. Don't get me started on us, you know, because because my grandma was in church in the YPP and couldn't understand why they didn't like me there. Well, because your daughter had a child out of wedlock. And they can't have me there because I, you know, you, you can't have me. <laughs> yeah. You know? Yeah. And a lot of that goes back to, you ever heard of um, Pablo Fier? I have that. Okay. He wrote a book a long time ago called The um, Pedagogy of the Oppressed. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yes, 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 yes. Yeah. I read the book. Yeah. And, and, okay. and, and he actually, everything that's going on, he actually talks about. <laughs> but that's one of the ones, whereas uh, people that are formally oppressed find slick ways to oppress others without really, without really acknowledging it. That's called capitalism. Yeah, it's called capitalism. <laughs> it's, it's called unhealthy masculinity. It's, it's, yeah, yeah. Or, or unhealthy femininity, femininity humanity. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? It, it, you know, the, the beauty of America is that we oftentimes are pointing the fingers at ourselves. Right? Yeah. 
Um, and, and we use too many labels. You know, I have an issue with the labels that have been thrown at me right now. Um, when, when I was going through France, they kept asking me what I was. I said, what do you mean? They're they, they like, what are you? I said, I'm an American. They were like, what kind of American? I said, what do you mean? But I wasn't like French African or French Morocco, you know? I mean, I just wanted to be who I was more important. I'm just trying to get on my plane, yo. <laughs> you know? I'm just trying to get on my plane. <laughs> I'll be whatever you want me to be. <laughs> With one foot. <laughs> you know? Yeah. You know, it, it all started because my luggage was big. And so they knew they knew I was American because I had big luggage. I'm like, well, I'm a big guy. I wear size 14 shoes. Like, I can't go in a little small luggage like that. Dang. And so so and, and that's how the comment but, but they had stereotyped me because of my luggage. He gotta be an American. And then they, when they see me, they still wasn't connotating my size to the luggage and why I need the bigger luggage than everybody else. So I felt discriminated against. And that's when security came over. So um, do, you, do you know where your people from? I'm Burkina Faso. My okay. dad's side from Burkina Faso, and my um, my mother's side is from um, West Ghana. Um, then some of it, you know, I did, I did, I did the twenty three and me. It's pretty much that whole Horn of Africa, Ghana, and uh, Nigeria and Liberia. But my dad's folk through African ancestry went to Burkina Faso. Um, but then my great grandmother. Um, they're Blackfoot tribe, Native Americans, and they're, and they're indigenous to, you know, to, to this country. So, <laughs> One thing that the people not going to know about you and I is how closely, <laughs> how, how, how closely we have ties. We, we have ties. Yeah, because my, um, my people are actually Igbo. Oh. Igbo land in Nigeria. And, uh, yeah, that's that's cool. And for the people that when I'm talking about, we both of us went to Nova Southeastern, and what else? Both of us in the military. Uh, we did. Well, I, I, I went to a military school. Um, I, I couldn't quite go to the military. Okay. <laughs> All right, and and the whole he was at ODU when I was at Norfolk State. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and my son was my son leaving ODU to go to Norfolk State. Uh huh, and and our kids went to the same school or something like that. My, well, my daughter Imani now goes to North Carolina A and T because, and she chose A and T when she saw your your daughter come to Collegiate and did the TED talk, and yeah. and and to get Collegiate. And so when your dad, when your, when your daughter says she went to North Carolina A and T, my, my daughter Imani says, "Dad, that's where I want to go." And that's when I brought my daughter over to me. I was gonna break. We, I saw you. And I was gonna take my door to meet your door, but they already connected. That's how she goes. That's how she rolls. So my my, my father's family we're, we're Bissa. We're from the Bissa people, um, which which is up through Ghana, you know, all through Africa. But the, but the, my my ancestor is Bissa. Okay. Have yeah, you ever heard? And, no, I was gonna ask. You heard of Lala Bella, haven't you? Yeah. Okay. I want to go there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You know, I, I have a friend of mine um, who was living in Nigeria and he's from Liberia. He's coming back to Maryland, right? And when he was telling me about how easy it was to go from one country to the next 
it was almost like he was traveling. I'm like, yo, he said, man, I can, he said, I can take a plane from Nigeria and be over in Egypt and spend a weekend there. And I, and I never thought of that in terms of the way he's traveling in Africa is how we do it here in the United States, right? Or how we do it in Europe. It, it just, it, it just, I'm like, wow. So you're traveling around the continent. He was like, yeah, bro, people travel around the world all the time. I just stay in my countries. It, yeah. it just never dawned on me that. Yeah. Man, I'm, I'm, let me get your, let me get your uh, feedback on this. I'm dead set when I'm ready to retire to find me somewhere black, blackity black, mm. And, mm. Just, and just be surrounded by black people. Because <laughs> the, the wear and tear, man, this, this is black man in the United States. That's a lot of wear and tear that I think most of us don't even realize. Have you spent any time over in Africa? I have not. You know, um, I think that you should go over there and spend some time to see, because I know people who've, who've given up their American passport. I, I'm never leaving America. My mama here. My mama ain't going to Africa. And I so am. I ain't going to Africa. No, I ain't leaving my mama. Let, let, me, get, let me get a flash face in real quick. That's the A&T graduate. Hey, how are you doing? I'm good. How are you, Aggie Pride? His daughter went to A&T because you and your TED Talk. I want to hear that. That's what's up. That's amazing. Yeah, she she was at Collegiate that night when you came and did your TED Talk. Wow. And she went to A&T for real? Yeah, she's a freshman there now. It's her, it's her first semester. Oh, my God. Oh, my her God. Is, her name is Imani Henderson. Um, you and her exchange of information. But because of your TED Talk, that's why she decided she wanted to go to North Carolina A&T. <laughs> Imani. <laughs> well, I'm so glad. I hope she's having a great time. And maybe I'll see her during GHO. So I, I'm, yeah, I hope so. Um, her, her, we're not talking right now. But, but soon. But soon. <laughs> <laughs> you know how it is. You know how it is. Yeah. I am always on that precipice. Yeah. <laughs> He's one more cookie. He will be. <laughs> Why can't you eat my cookie, you Dad? Eat my cookie. Why can't you eat my cookie, Dad? <laughs> you need to ask me first. He could have just asked. But what, what so, am I up here so, for? So, so he's stealing your cookies or is he borrowing your cookies? Is he buying you your cookies? He eating what he bought. No, I'm buying the cookies. Oh, okay. He doesn't Ooh. like cookies. I don't even mind, though. It's just the fact that he does it without asking. <laughs> that's the only thing it's like a father thing yeah cause you know how fathers think who's paying for the water and you pay yeah, for he's rent. just taking it as a tax or something who's, he's just taking it as a general tax who's paying for the water and utilities <laughs> that's called capitalism and it's like cookie yeah <laughs> he's tripping over a cookie he's tripping over a cookie now do it again oh I know you want to do it again but what am I up here for you said something well, oh, you're just, this is just a cameo? Oh, hi. It's a cameo. It's a cameo. Oh, okay. <laughs> okay, I'll let y'all get back to it. <laughs> <All right. laughs> Thank you. Okay, bye. I, I love your relationship with her. I mean, I, I think it, it is, um, it, I mean, I, I, it, it is such a joy because you are smiling and she's smiling and y'all are so much alike. It's awesome. 
Yeah, well, thank you. It's uh, it's um, it's intentional, and you know this as a uh, as a father that's supposed to be classified as a um, non-custodial parent, mm. in which you actually mm. get to uh, be your full full daddy self, um, um, at least in presence two days out of 14 or mm. every other weekend. Mm. It's uh, you have to figure out what you want to impart to your child because you can't do, you can't do it all. And so you got to pick out the most important stuff and just, and just focus on that. You know, I, I wish, and, and, you know, again, me being sharpened, me being sharpened. Um, I didn't know that after my divorce. And um, for some reason, you know, I, I just didn't know that. And I, I'm, you know, and, and I put too much pressure um, um, out of fear, again, out of fear, out of my own fears. Um, and I didn't know that. You know, I, I'm, I'm learning now. You know, I'm, I've learned it now. But I definitely did not know that. Um, and I wish I had known it. Right. Um, but right. I didn't. I didn't. Um, you know, um. And, and one of the things I'm learning, just just when, when I'm grateful to be alive, I'm, I'm grateful to be able to live to make make some correction. Um, my son came over here the other day, and he's like, he's like, dude, I don't even know who you are anymore. And I said, what do you mean? He says, he says, your he said, your mom switched roles. I said, what do you mean? He says, you the chill one, and she the one be yelling. <laughs> and I'm like, I'm, I'm like, bro. I said, I don't think we were yelling. He was like, no, dad. He's like, no, dad. He said, now nothing bothers you. He's like, dad. I spill things and break things, and you don't even look at me now. I was like, "Wow!" So, so you was afraid to spill things? He said, "Yeah, Dad." But see, that that's me. That's that another. I was raised by Jackie Henderson, and nine o'clock meant eight fifty nine. Yes, ma'am, or yes, sir. You know, no, 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 no. You, you make a punch in the mouth because she wasn't playing, and so I had to learn, and I'm still learning. Was needed for me. I think it's still needed, but I think there's boundaries on it. I think kids are more sensitive now. I just, you know, but again, I have to make corrections. I'm trying to make the corrections. But, but Lafayette, bro, I, I, I ain't gonna be no no pushover though. You know? No, I get I it. Know. But <clears throat> you said that you've learned a lot. Um, and this is me exegeting what you said. <laughs> Thank you. Sharpen me, good brother. Sharpen me. But the key. But the key that I realized was that I had a whole lot of stuff to unlearn yeah, from yeah. my childhood. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's like, yeah. It's, it's like one of my one of one of my boys came over and he had a daughter the same age as mine. And I was like, yo, dog, when you when you when your daughter come over, I was like, if you don't mind, ask her to ask Danielle for her toys. And he was like, why is that? Because I was like kids just running other kids' room and just take and just take toys and start playing with them. And I was like, what if I ran in your bedroom and start going through your drawers mm. <laughs> and start bringing out stuff without asking you? I was like, you probably feel violated. And I was mm. like, and I think that's how kids feel. And so we mm. can we can actually mm. start with these kids and have them respecting other people's. Damn, so that means I probably should have asked for a cookie, huh? 
I, I mean, I was going, I was going, I was going to say that, but you know. <laughs> Let me just shut up. <laughs> but no, nah, just to just to start to press. I mean, to start thinking about why do we do the things that we do that we consider um, that 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 we consider traditional or automatic stuff. It's it's like we say, share your toys. You know, and you come in my house. You know, you gonna ask me before you start going through my through my house. Well, I, 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 listen, my house is the same way. You can't just come and just sit down and someone tells you, like, do you want to have a seat? Right. That's how I was raised. Right. And so, you know, it's, it's when they say that stuff about being a parent didn't come with a handbook, Lord, that won't lie. <laughs> it was not a lie. And, and especially the, uh, the addendums that you have to pay attention to if you come if if you show up as a black parent, brother, <laughs> it, it, it is a perpetual dissertation process. Mm-hmm. <laughs> You're co- constantly collecting data, doing research, making modifications. You know, you had to go from the APA, to, you know, two hundred five to the, you know, it's, mm-hmm. it's 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 man, 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 man. Again, this is why I tell my son: don't get married, don't have any children. <laughs> <laughs> because he has less patience than me. I'm like, he's like, Dad, well, I, I got to work. I said, you better work. I said, the good thing is, son, you have a father. See, I didn't have a father. So now because it's not just you doing it by yourself. It's me and you doing it together. I'm here to help you out. I said, mm-hmm. iron sharpens iron. Because, right. I mean, he has taught me a lot. Like when, when, I was, when I was injured, he said some things to me he would have never said to me if I was on my feet. Never. <laughs> never. Never, ever. What you gonna do, bro? Can't roll up these steps, can you? (laughs) What am I gonna do? What am I gonna do? What you gonna do, bro? I'll say that that was the cement of our relationship in which I saw him as a young man, my son. He's no longer buddy. He's Ellis. He's Ellis O'Neill Henderson II. And he established himself as, I need you to listen to me, Dad. Amen. I'm listening. I can't move. I'm laying down. I can't get up. So go ahead, you know, go ahead. <laughs> Just move a little but, closer. <laughs> yeah. Just move a little, <laughs> little more closer. Right. And bend down. <laughs> and bend over and stay there. <laughs> yeah. Hey, brother, it, it has been a pleasure. Um, I, I, I would like to, you know, continue these dialogues. And I would like for the dialogues to result in not only development and organizing, but us working together to establish, you know, what I what I believe to be the kingdom of God. I believe, you know, a place, a safe place where people can come, um, and not just in the church, but out in the community. You know, um, I'm glad that you're out there because I ain't got to run for, for the governor. You know, I ain't got to be in a political arena. That's what you you and people like you, what they're calling need to be, right? Um, just to we get need, people need, like you to run for government. Need, no, 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 Listen, but but the good thing is, if Trump can do it, I can. But I 
I'd rather throw house at the beast. I'd rather throw rocks at the beast, not join with the beast. <laughs> You're talking about somebody getting ready to go to jail. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. I, I want to shoot arrows at the beast, man. I, I really enjoy pastoring. More importantly, I enjoy people. Um, I, I enjoy watching people come into a safe space and be their authentic self. Or, you know, and so that that's that's my call. That's my passion. Um, love, love has to win, man. I mean, why make to me as a Christian? If you're not talking about love winning, then we ain't talking about the right thing. Because everything you're talking about is love winning, right? I don't see anything wrong with that. Right. I'm in agreement with that across the board. We're talking about humanity. We're talking about people's human rights. They, they deserve those. Oh, there's, there's one thing we didn't talk about. <clears throat> Remember when you used to feel like that little dude right there? Bro, I was going to ask you about that little guy. <laughs> listen, listen, man. Come on, man. That's why That's why I put it up there because I was like, I remember when I was like that. <laughs> Thought I, I could do anything. About you. I'm, I'm like, who is that? Like, No, it's, it's a picture I found. I was doing some stuff for the web. And I found that picture, and I was like, I like, I, I, it was like, yes, the hero that we're looking for is in us. We just forgot about him. Can you send that to me? Yeah, I can. That, to me, that look at the look on his face, man. Determined. Oh! He ready. Ready. And look how his knees are on, I mean, his, his, I mean, he's positioned like he's ready for whatever. His hands are crossed. Come on, man. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Digging that. Digging it. You know, I love that red cake too. <laughs> I love that red cake. <laughs> I ain't gonna lie. Hey, okay. I'm from Lexington, Virginia, the home of the Scarlet Hurricane. They they broke down my school and consolidated with two of the other schools. And in doing that, they removed the fiber of my community. I'm pissed about that, yo. I'm riding with Lexington High School. Anyway, that, that, that's another soapbox, how they consolidate my school. He's predominant. You know, anyway, I love the picture, brother. Thanks, I man. I love the picture. And I, I would like to have you on again in December um, before um, the, the Holy Days begin. If you're available, like the first Wednesday in December. And I would like to talk about this, you know, as we talk about Kwanzaa. Oh, Yeah. Oh yeah, I've been doing Kwanzaa yeah. since I was like his age. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, so I, I would like you have. I, I would like what I would like to do is have you come on in December and we talk about Kwanzaa. But then um, I think Kwanzaa is going to is going to fall on um, a, a Wednesday. But to have you on on the Wednesday and we talk about and celebrate Kwanzaa because I, I was down at I was down at Legba Folklore um, yesterday talking about Kwanzaa, um, about Kwanzaa, and I, I offered the church. But they said it was it wasn't big enough, so um, I want I want to do some kind of celebration, Kwanzaa celebration, um, in our community. Oh yeah, it wasn't until I was on active duty and I was looking at a TV show and it was saying that Richmond, Virginia, actually has the largest Kwanzaa celebration in the United States. You're lying. Are you? And serious? I didn't even know that because that was something I just go to as a kid that my mama would take me to every 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 year. And it was, and it was, and then I found out. I actually started talking to other people. He's in the army, people from all over the place. And it was like, you don't know what Kuji Chagalia is. 
You don't know nothing about you don't know nothing about Kwanzaa. Oh, that's that black religion, ain't it? It's not a religion. It's, it's gonna it's gonna be at the convention center this year. Oh yeah, yeah. What a great venue! And what what a great venue! But definitely, definitely, brother. I'm I'm, I'm listen. That that's what I was thinking, and I, I oh, yeah. shared with you asking if you would be you know be willing to do that. Kwanzaa's my joint, man. Yeah. So. I mean, or, or even even consider doing a Kwanzaa celebration in, in our church on a Sunday. Whenever, man. Whenever, whatever. You know, I got your back. Brother, let's get this done. And and, and and again, thank you for coming on. I knew you was going to sharpen me, but I was not even know you was going to sharpen me the way you just sharpened me. For real. No, but that parent <laughs> piece, man, that parent piece is heavy. Okay. <laughs> See, I believe you already knew that because I know you're a smart yeah. brother. Yeah. <laughs> you're just trying All to boost right, me up. No, nothing. All right, pray us out, man. So I can, so okay. I, I gotta get, I gotta get somewhere. Me, me, me too. The Father God, we just thank you for the, for this time of shopping, God. We can just pray your blessings upon our brother Lafayette and his wonderful daughter and his family. And God, continue to bless us as we move together in this community because you called us to bear in our lanes, but to work together for the, for the sake of your kingdom and for the destruction of the kingdom of darkness. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Have a good night, Amen. brother. Thank y'all for tuning right. in. Y'all have a good night, and I'll see y'all next week. All right. All right. Have a good night. So we just had Dr. Lafayette Jefferson on, um, and we had a much longer conversation than intended but when I tell you it was one of the best conversations and so I, I, I highly suggest you check in uh, we went over our hour um, that we thought we was going to go over but it was a great conversation so thank y'all for tuning in we're still here on, on Black um, Black Talk Radio Network um, thank you for James Saxmos Gates uh, thank you for Tracy Ross thank y'all for tuning in continue to check us out and download us we are coming to a community event very soon. Iron Sharp Design with Dr. Ellis O. Henderson. Peace and blessing. So have a great night. Thank y'all. Join us again for the next installment of Iron Sharpens Iron, Talking Faith, where your faith is inspired, motivated, and activated. This show will be rebroadcast every Friday. Remember, faith is the substance of things hoped for, evidence of things not seen. Peace and blessing until next time.